for a minute, I didn't know who was supposed to be up here. <laughs> I was like, who's coming up? Oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> well, good morning. I want to um, sort of give a, a precursor to this a little bit. Um, this sermon has sort of been in the works consciously by me and God for about a month or so, but probably unconsciously for a while. I think it's, I think it's needed. So take that as you will. Brokenness, like I just said, it's been on my mind lately. I had a conversation with someone not too long ago and it led to this topic of being broken. And because of that brokenness, they felt held back in some ways. And I have to say, I get it. Our society, our community, and even us as a church have seen and lived through so much brokenness. In a lot of ways, our brokenness as a church is what defines us. It's literally the inspiration for our church, this church's name, Mosaic. Broken pieces of glass that make up a beautiful image that otherwise wouldn't. And I think it gives you a little bit of an idea of where we're going this morning. Try to use as many subtle hints as I can. <laughs> subtle like a hammer. It's not an easy place to sit in our brokenness. But I'd ask you this morning to sit in it just for a little bit, with me. We're all marked by our brokenness. I'm sure every one of us could stand up and tell stories of how you yourself have been broken. On top of that, I'm sure we could tell stories of how we are specifically broken because of the church. or maybe more specifically because of the people in and around the church. I think it's appropriate to give a little bit of my backstory here. I am and have been scarred and broken by those same people. In fact, I think it's a part of the reason why God used me to become a pastor or called me to become a pastor. Because I've been hurt repeatedly by those who are in the very position that I now hold. The first pastor I really remember having an attachment to stole money from my family after our house burnt down. The first pastor that I called my pastor 
ended up divorcing his wife, splitting the church, and sucking it dry for every penny it had. And then started another church because he was kicked out of his old denomination and couldn't find another church that would take him. Well, the latest one many of us have been here for and have many of your own broken stories to speak about with that relationship. I'm highlighting these examples in my life to show that brokenness can come from anywhere and anyone. There are countless other events that have shattered me personally, like glass. I'm not sharing these events because I want pity or sympathy. I'm sharing them because I know we all have similar stories. I know most of us have at least one that we can share. I mention these stories to let you know that there isn't a single person on this planet that hasn't been broken. Including, again, this pastor standing in front of you. I'm just as broken as all of you are. Maybe even more in some cases. But my point is, we are all broken. Life takes its toll. We live in a fallen world where things fall on us and break us. We fall and break. We all have stories to tell. So where do we go from here? Where do we go from our brokenness? Well, again, I think we need to sit here for a little bit in it, thinking about it, maybe even feeling it. I'm going to read a longer passage, and I only have the end of it, Heather, in the um, slide, so don't worry when you don't see it all. (laughs) But I'm going to read it from a book in the Bible that talks about one of the most broken people in the Bible, Job. One day, when Job's son and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a message arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing, with the donkeys feeding beside them. Then the Sevians raided us, and they stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While we were 
while he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with the news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly, a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed, and all your children are dead. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and fell to the ground to worship. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Job 1.13-22 Job is broken. And it doesn't stop in this chapter. We see in chapter 2, Job then loses his health. Has a wife who's also miserable and tearing him down. And then he has three friends who show up and see him in the broken state that he's in and literally grieve for him like he has died. And if you want to see a broken man's dialogue, I urge you to read Job chapter 3. I almost read the whole thing here, but for all of our sakes, I only read the last paragraph here in Job 3, 20 through 26. Oh, why give light to those in misery and life to those who are bitter? They long for death and it won't come. They search for death more eagerly than for hidden treasures. They're filled with joy when they finally die and rejoice when they find the grave. Why is life given to those with no future? Those God has surrounded with difficulties. I cannot eat for sighing. My groans pour out like water. What I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest. Only trouble comes. How many of us have felt that? I certainly haven't gone through what Job has or does in this story. And I pray that none of us ever do. That's, that's a rough day. <laughs> but do I ever understand those words? I have no peace. I have no quietness. I have no rest. Only trouble. 
comes. That resonates with me so much I can't even explain it. When we're broken, doesn't it seem like only trouble comes? When we're in the middle of being broken, doesn't it seem like only pain comes? That there is no future. That there will only be this. Only pain and suffering are within our grasp. That hope is so fleeting that it can't, I can't, we can't even bear to think what it might look like on the other side. So, I ask you to sit here in the brokenness. And we've done that a little bit. Now, let's lament in grief. What is lamenting? There's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. It's about lamenting. It's the Jewish people lamenting the loss of Israel by their own hands, as admitted in Lamentations. But how do we lament? What does it mean for us to lament? Lamentation can be described, or lamenting can be described, as when grief just pours out of us. I like that definition. Why? Well, let's go back to our brokenness and what happens after we are broken. We need to grieve. And what happens if you hold on to that grief for too long? It begins to fester. You can become bitter, depressed, or even worse. But when you take that grief and lament. When you pour it out, not only does it allow you to see what has been lingering, what has been hurting you, the rot and the pain that has held your life in a bind, but also cleanses you from all of that. I have an example of something that might help you visualize what the process of lamentation is. Have you ever seen those rock tumbling videos or done rock tumbling yourself? You take uh, a cylinder, you fill it up with stones or glass or whatever you want to make smooth. You fill it with like a gritty substance and you just spin it and you let it spin, sometimes for hours, sometimes for days. 
and it spins and it spins and it spins. And then what happens when you open it up? There's all sorts of junk, debris that leaves when you open it. The glass or stones are left smooth. But there's this slurry, this gunk that's left over. But it's gotten rid of all the sharp edges of the brokenness. Now, let's think about that in our context. Over and over, we've used the mosaic language. And I'm going to use it again this morning. We're broken. We're broken. Our, our lives are like broken pieces of glass. And when we lament, it's like going into a rock tumbler. It's not easy. It hurts. It's gritty. It's grimy. It takes time. But, just like when you put glass in a rock tumbler, at the end of your time of lament, those sharp edges, those pokey bits that you'd be cut on or you could cut others on are left smooth, ready to be used by the artist, God, and his mosaic. Lamentation is the tool that we use to get rid of all the gunk, all the sharp edges. If I were to use Job as, continue to use Job as an example, we would see him, <coughs> excuse me, lament throughout the rest of his book. We would see him look at his positions over and over again, see where he's at, crying out to God. But I think, especially for this season, there's a better, better example of proper lamentation. And that's Jesus. Let's look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Mark chapter 14, verse 36, we read, Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. This is not the only time that Jesus laments. 
again while on the cross in Mark 14, 33-34. We read, At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? By the way, these words are the beginning to Psalms 22. And if you don't know this about the Psalms, there's several different kinds of Psalms. Usually the ones that we talk about are the worship or praise Psalms. Psalms 22 is not one of those Psalms. Psalms 22 is a Psalm of lament. Jesus' lament is so important on the Mount of Olives, on the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, that's one of the few verses that shows up almost exactly in all four Gospels. When we look at these examples of Jesus lamenting, don't think that it was easy for him. Jesus, or that Jesus was saying just some prayer, going through some ritual before he was to be sacrificed on the cross. No, in Luke twenty-two forty-four, it says this. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell from to the ground like great drops of blood. I don't know how many of you are medically inclined, but if you're with blood in your sweat, you are stressed. And not like kind of stressed, like you're going to die stressed in probably some of the worst ways. They see soldiers, not soldiers who have died in the midst of battle, sweat blood. No, soldiers who have been captured and tortured, sweat blood. Lament is not easy. Lament does not mean easy things are to come. Lament hurts. It may round our edges, but it has to break something in order to do that. Lament is not supposed to be easy. Again, going back to the rock tumbler example, How do you think all the sharp edges and brokenness get turned into that gunk and slurry that gets washed away at the end? Through the grit that we put in there, through the brokenness bouncing off of other pieces of broken rock and glass. 
through the work of tumbling over and over and over. I have to tell you that I personally am probably still in this phase for some of my heart. And in all honesty, I think we probably all should be in moments. We should probably go in and out of lament probably more often than we do. So don't feel bad if you still have some sharp edges from your brokenness. It's a process that we tumble through over and over again, each time getting a little smoother, a little shinier, a little less angry, a little less broken, and a little more like a piece ready to be slotted perfectly into its place by God. So, process of lament may look a little different for each of us, just like the process that we were broken by looks a little different for each of us. So I urge you to take those moments to figure out how you lament, how you were broken, to understand, to see it, to feel it, to understand where your edges are, and to see where God needs to work on you. To understand. Because we all need it. We all know it. And I'll call up the worship team. Now finally, once we've been broken and we've lamented, it's time to become who God has called us to be. to take those formerly broken pieces that were scattered on the floor of our lives, that were tumbled in the process of lament, and use them for the artistry that God has called you to. The artistry that he's called your life to become. To fit into the mosaic that God is creating with all of us. You might be wondering, how does this fit into the season of Lent?
Jesus died on the cross for us so that we could have the opportunity to be saved in this way. Broken for the broken. That is Jesus. He was broken because we are broken. Because I am broken. So that we could have the opportunity to be saved. But also so that his kingdom would come here on earth as it is in heaven. Part of our job as Christians, no matter how broken we are, and don't fool yourself, all of those sharp edges, they're never all going to go away. We're human. But God will still use you. And don't think you need to be completely always, all the way through the process of lament before you can be used. Because God can still use you throughout the entire process. But man, when you allow God to polish you, when you allow God to use the grit of his word, the grit of following him. We become a beautiful, polished piece of glass that allows his light to shine through us brighter and greater and more beautiful than it ever could if we weren't broken, if we weren't hurt, if we didn't have some sharp edges. No matter what your life looks like, you still have a purpose. No matter how broken you are, you still have a purpose. You aren't just another number. You aren't what other people say you are. You aren't even what you say you are. You are what God says you are. How God wants to use you. And when you let God's light shine through you, you fulfill that purpose that he has for you. Beautifully broken. And a piece of something greater than we could ever be alone.
Heavenly Father, I pray we would have your vision when it comes to our brokenness. Because oftentimes when we're in the moment, we don't see what you have for us. We don't see the true beauty that's coming. It's like looking at a painting half painted. The artist isn't done yet. And you are the artist and our lives again, I pray that through our brokenness, we would seek your will. That we would seek your peace. That we would lament, grieve where we were. so that we may seek what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in peace, to love, and serve the Lord.